Welcome to the podcast Israel and Christians Today. This podcast is brought to you by Christians for Israel International. Join us on a journey as we explore and discover God's love for and His promises to the Jewish people. Our goal is to understand Israel and world events from a biblical perspective. Enjoy this new podcast episode. So welcome everybody back to another episode of Israel and Christians today. My name is Andrew Tucker and I'm talking today with Johannes Gerloff, journalist and theologian based in Israel. Hi Johannes. Hi Andrew. We're having a fascinating discussion uh, about nations. Last time we uh, were talking about the Palestinian people and the so-called Israel-Palestinian conflict and you were explaining to us uh, that actually the Middle East is made up of lots of different nations and peoples. And perhaps this idea of the Palestinians, and maybe even the Israelis, I don't know, is limiting our view. I wonder if you could just share a little bit more with us today about who are the nations living in the Middle East? Are the Palestinians a nation? Maybe I have to I have to tell you how how I I got aware of that question or how I, how I stumbled over it. I came here with an aid organization in the 1990s. I worked with people. I got to know people on the ground, and then suddenly, just a, a year or a little over a year before the Second Intifada, I was asked to be a journalist. Um, and my focus before was very much like Christians for Israel, the Jewish people. And for sure, as an aid organization, we didn't walk by if an Arab was in need, but, but our main focus at being based in Israel was the Jewish people. Now I suddenly was a journalist, and I was a journalist working for German media, just secular media, also Christian media, also um, in Switzerland, also in Austria, and in Czech Republic. My wife is Czech, so that's the connection. And, and, and suddenly I was asked to be objective. I was asked to see both sides. And I, I actually dedicated about 11 years of my life to, to really get to know the Palestinian side. And, and I read books and I talked to people and I tried to make sense of what I read in books and what I the normal newspaper work was always going on besides and, and reporting about that was then second intifada and, and, and going back and forth between the war lines and all that and, and, and car bombings and whatever we had at that time. Um, and, and suddenly I asked myself about the two state solution and about this whole question, why was it that between 1948, 49, the, creation of the state of Israel, and 1967, I do not know of a single incident, of a single historical source, you can bring me one, that asks for a Palestinian state and a two-state solution. And look, between 1948 and 1967, the whole world was agreeing, please correct me if I'm wrong in terms of international law, but the whole world was agreeing that the West Bank was occupied illegally outside of international law by Jordan, and then later annexed. So it was, as far as I know, only three states that, that actually acknowledged this 
annexation. And that was interestingly Great Britain, Pakistan, and, the, and Iraq. Yeah, All the right. Arab League basically said, why is this? And I stood there, not as a legal expert, but as a normal journalist, said, why? And then I made another discovery, and that was that before 1968, and actually I, I, the first incident I then found for myself was 1974, there was no talk of the Palestinian people as a nation. So I'm not denying that there are people. I'm not denying that, that uh, there are these human beings living here. They're non-Jews, but who are they? And then it happened things that I remember when in 2007, the Hamas took over in, in Gaza, I interviewed in Ramallah and a Palestinian actually was in front of a TV camera. And I asked him now, why don't you take in the, the, the Fatah refugees and you have to understand, they killed about a thousand people in this whole incident that Hamas took over. And why don't you take in the, 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 the Fatah refugees from Gaza? And the man in Ramallah explained to me, they're not part of us. They're Egyptians. This is the guy in Ramallah saying that the... Uh, the people in, in Gaza. Uh -huh. Now you have to understand that Gaza never ever was annexed by Egypt. Why did Egypt refused to annex Gaza. You know, these were all questions thrown at me. And so I started to ask Palestinians, who are you? And I realized that we are here at the meeting point of three continents, Africa in the South, Asia in the East, and Europe. And there were always migrations. And there were always people going back and forth. And you find the traces of these people until today. And I personally, I can say now after having interviewed a lot of Palestinians, you, can't, you shouldn't come with international law, you shouldn't come with political questions and solutions and whatever. You have to come like, oh, we're living here in a very interesting area and your family has a very interesting background. Where are you from? How did you get here? And then they tell you, I bring examples now that people say, oh, my surname is Al-Masri. That means the Egyptian. In Hebrew, it would be Hamitsri. Or somebody else uh, is called Othman. He comes from Turkey. He's the Ottoman. Or I had my, my car insurance uh, uh, salesman. And I asked him, where are you from? And he said, oh, my surname is Salab which would be close to the Hebrew Tzlav, my descendants actually came, or my ancestors actually came from, from Italy. They were crusaders. You still hear it in the name. And actually, I met people. The, the, the mayor of Hebron at the time was Mustafa al-Natche. And I walked around Hebron with another Palestinian. He said, do you know that Natche is not even a he an, an, an Arab name? He said, no idea, teach me. And he said, oh, it's originally Nietzsche. And they come from southern Germany and Switzerland. So I know people, the, the spokesperson of, of the Islamic Jihad in, in, in Gaza was called Muhammad al-Hindi. His family came from India. So I personally know people, they come from India to Spain.
You want to know, I have a Spanish name. The editor of the Jerusalem Times was at, at that time, what I'm thinking of, the, the 2000, a little later, was Hanna Signora, a Palestinian. His name, his name comes from Spain. And you have people from Central Africa. I met somebody who said, my grandfather came from Chad. And other people who come from the Caucasus area. And all in between. It's a huge mixture, mixture of nations. And you know that. And therefore, the Palestinian who told me about the Palestinian refugees who were created by Palestinians in 2007, when the Hamas took over in the Gaza Strip, and he said, they're not part of us. He was right. And you know, I could show you today Palestinians who were refugees from Hebron, who live in Bethlehem, and they're still considered to be refugees because they're not from Bethlehem, they're from Hebron. It's 20 kilometers. And it's crazy, you would say. But you have this nation mix here. And Johannes, do, they, you, do these very, very different people with different backgrounds, do they feel themselves to be Palestinians? If you, if you say to them, uh, describe yourself, your nationality, are they now saying, well, despite the fact that we come from Africa or Spain or India or wherever else, today we are Palestinians? Or is that something we're imposing upon them? You, you, you're, you used the word imposing now. You used it. I, I would say they, they say Semitic or Arab truth. And here I would have to make a, a, a explain what Greek truth is. It comes from unhiddenness. We talk about naked truth. And for an Arab, always truth is something that builds a bridge, that builds a relationship. And so... We are not imposing on him, but, but the Arab asks in his belly. He doesn't ask it up here. He asks in his belly, um, what do you want to hear? And so if you come as a European, you talk about the two-state solution, you talk about the Arab-Israeli conflict or Palestinian-Israeli conflict, then yes, he will be a Palestinian. But if you ask the question about his family and his identity and, 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 and where he does he be, what does he feel, where does he belong, then yes, he will tell you. I, I think last time in the podcast, I, I just remember that somebody told me I'm a Kurd and he was proud of his in, uh, heritage of, of, that goes back to Salah Hadin. So um, yes, they know it. Yes, they live it, with it. And yes, we have here a tribal area. Actually, if I tell such things and I have African listeners in front of me and I say the idea of a nation state, the idea of a nation is imposed by a European ideology. All the Arabs are sitting there and nodding like this. I see a whole crowds in front of me and not Arabs, Africans. Yeah, because it's the exactly same thing in Africa that Europeans came and they said, now we have to withdraw, we have to close down our colonies uh, so you have to have a nation, nation state. But they think in tribes. They think if they talk about a king, they talk about what we would call a mayor, the head of a town. It is not elected like in Holland or in, in Germany, but uh, it, it, it's, it's a different, 
it's a totally different thinking. And the challenge I think for us here in this area is really go and, and ask, how do you feel? How do you think? And the Jews, to just close that image, are next to Armenians and next to Assyrians. And they're just one nation group within all the other nation groups here in the, in the Middle East. And um, I mean, if you look at the whole image of Syria, you took away the, the kind of covering of dictatorship on the pressure cooker and you have a war. And we have the same situation here. If you take out the Jewish, the Zionist, let's say cover of the pressure cooker, they will kill each other. And you saw it in Gaza. You saw it and you see it that you have Arabs today serving in the Israeli army. You have, you have this inter-religious, inter inter-ethnical, inter-whatever uh, mingling and fighting and infighting, tribal infighting. There are economic interests in that. There are special friendships and whatever comes in. But, but you have that all over. And it's, it's not about finally about a, a two-state solution. Well, I'm, I'm very interested to hear more also and talk with you about the different people groups in other places in the Middle East. But I want to just bring it back for a moment to the Bible because uh, the Bible talks about nations and it talks about peoples and clans and families, I think. If you go back to Genesis, when, you know, the three sons of, uh, of Noah and from the three sons came the 70 nations, as it were, and God um, gave them, you know, um, even gave them borders. Um, and after the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the nations. So somehow in God's eyes, he looks at nations and peoples. Is that correct? Yes, but I, I alerted ourselves enough now about European ideology. And when you mentioned the term borders, uh, uh, I would at, at once tickle you and say, how far do you now bring and in, invent European ideology into the Bible? Um, if, if you continue, you have to, to from, from Noah and from his three sons and the 70 nations, you come to the Tower of Babel. Babylon, and you, you get different languages, and they actually were a, a, a means, I say, a tool that God used to disperse them all over the earth and to separate them. Now, we, we, we have to be careful in saying that there were borders where, where we have, let's say, we, we have certain areas they are living in. And when God brought Abraham here into this area, he said, look, it is between Egypt and we would say today between Mesopotamia. But the definition came from a, from a center. And if you look exactly, sometimes the Jordan for, River, for example, was a border. But then he gave land to the half-tribe of Manasseh or Menashe, we say in Hebrew, and Reuben and Gad. He gave on the other side of the river. So... The borders were not clearly defined as we would like to have it in, in, in Europe, but uh, the Lord said to Moses and then later to Joshua, he said, I will give the land to you that 
you, the sole of your food, foot is treading on. It means I give the land to you that you can tend, that you can protect, that you can build up, that part of the garden that you can look after, I give to you. The moment you're not able anymore to, to, to be able to look after it, I will take it back. And actually, we have this idea still in Ottoman law that is still valid in Israel when there are land disputes. The question is, who used the land? And according to Ottoman law, you're actually, if you use land for three years and nobody is disputing it, it belongs to you. And if you're not using land for seven years, then somebody else is free to use it. And uh, it was the British who came in here and said, now nah, we have to bring order into this. And they made, they made, uh, they, they measured the land and they made demarcation lines and whatever. It wasn't an Ottoman idea. It was certainly not a biblical idea. And if you look at the Bible, the land was always breathing. There were different factors that were, if we look at, at it from a Jewish or Israeli point of view, there were different factors that made this breathing. That means that the, the borders were extended and the borders were made smaller. Um, that there were, were, were dependent on the factors that, that influenced them. There was, for example, the factor of the strength. There was the factor of uh, obedience. There was the factor of success. There was certainly the factor of obedience. I already mentioned the, the, the relationship to the Lord. And we have to see that according to the biblical decision, there, the Bible thinks of a center. And out of this center, therefore, the, the, the modern movement, most interestingly, the modern movement of Jews going, being reunited with the land is called Zionism. Now, Damascus is part of the promised land, but it's not called Damascanism. And Hebron is part of the, of, of, the, of the promised land, but it's not called Hebronism. The center of this land is Zion. And, and I'd really like us to challenge us to, to take the Bible and let the Bible form our understanding of the situation. Then we discover, for example, that the, that the function of the land is not a Germanic function. We Germans conquered Europe because we needed Lebensraum. It's a very stinky word again, yeah? But we, we needed room to live in and to, to, to build our house and to build our garden and to, to feed ourselves, you do not have that in the Bible. It's a totally Germanic thinking. You have a mixed land where people live together. And the one who feeds the people is not my own strength, but is the Lord. And we have to think about the function of the land. And the biblical function is totally different from what we think as coming from Europe with a nation state. And then we discover suddenly that God elected Abraham. And why did he elect him? What did he choose him for? Because he wanted to have something special for himself? No. He chose Abraham in order to bless the nations. So, yes, there is a diversity. Yes, there is a richness of different mentalities. But, but the Lord wants to bless 
through the nation of Israel and through the speciality of the nation of Israel, through the chosenness of this people, he wants to bless, bless all the other nations. Johannes, what, what you're sharing with us is very profound uh, and fundamental, I think. And my sense is that it conflicts in a way with the way we look at the world. Uh, you mentioned a kind of European way of thinking of boundaries and borders and so forth. And as, as an international lawyer, I think that's the way we've been taught to look at things. Um, and even more than that, the, 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 the paradigm that we seem to be applying to this region is to separate the Jews from the Palestinians, as if the Jews should be living separately from the non-Jews. And what you're telling is actually a fundamentally different way of looking at it. And that is saying that God, at least this is my understanding of what you're saying, is God actually has a land that wants to be fruitful and to be a blessing to all people. Um, so perhaps my, my last question, just to sort of wrap up this episode is, is Zionism, is Zionism from a biblical perspective, is it the intention that, that the Jews have the exclusive possession of the land? Is it, is Zion just for the Jews? We, we should talk about the biblical understanding of what God meant when he separates certain things, when he made a difference. And actually, if you go back in the Bible, this word to make a difference is very crucial in the story of the creation. And the moment God creates order out of chaos, he makes, a dif makes differences. Now, we have to understand that he differentiates not in order to degrade somebody, but in order to complement each other. We see that best when he made a difference between man and woman. And actually, our modern-day ideology tries to annihilate this difference. But if we want to live according to the way God created us, we have to complement each other and build a family together. And exactly in the same way, we have to see this differentiation that God made between Abraham and the nations, between the people of Israel and the Gentile nations. And he wants us to complement each other. And I could show that from, from Paul's letter to Romans. We only understand it if we understand this basic desire of God that he says, I want you to be different, not all the same. And I want you to love each other. And by the unity you live in your being different, the world will know. Now you see how quickly I got to the Gospel of John. Yes, so these are, these are very fundamental things. And to answer your question very shortly about Zionism, if it is a biblical Zionism, if it is a Zionism that, that sees the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, the Jewish people coming back, being reunited with the, uh, with the land of Israel, then it's never against the non-Jewish nations, the Gentile nations. It's for them to be a blessing for them. 
So if I would call myself a Zionist, a biblical Zionist, then yes, I am for a right of the Jewish people to return to the land of Israel. And let's say for a moment to have a state of Israel. But in order to be a blessing to those whom we call today Palestinians, and if we look closer at them, we find out they're all kind of different nations, they would kill each other. And to find out that, that maybe it, it will be in the end a blessing for the Germans and the Dutch and the Australians and uh, the New Zealanders and whoever might come in, the Americans even, yeah? So <laughs> um, might come in. So, and, and I think then suddenly we also understand why the devil, Satan, is so much opposed to this idea that the Jewish people is being reunited with the land of Israel. Johannes, thank you so much for leading us into this, this, uh, this way of looking at, at, at what's going on in Israel and, and in the region. I'm really looking forward next podcast to going further in this discussion, this conversation we're having about God's incredible plan for blessing the nations through the restoration of the Jewish people to the land. So I invite you, if you're listening or watching, join us next time as we seek to know more about what God is doing with this world in our generation. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We'd like to connect with you online. Find us on Facebook, visit our YouTube page and check out our website. For now, Thank you for listening and we'd like to see you next time. Bye bye.